what is good everybody man let me know if y'all can hear me in the chat this is one of our last previews of the season man all we got left for fcs football after this week is the national championship which isn't up until january 8th i believe so this will be like the last live stream preview of the year man which is sad i will we'll have a live stream recap on sunday Possibly Saturday night. I'll have to see because I, I, depending on what time the South Dakota State Montana State game is, I might come live. Go ahead and do it on Saturday, but I'll let you guys know on, on the community tab of the YouTube page. This weekend had a had a last minute change in plans. I was going to go to the Celebration Bowl, but I decided I had an opportunity. Shout out to the SIDs up at South Dakota and North Dakota State. I will definitely be in Fargo this weekend. I'll be at the Incarnate Word North Dakota State game on Friday night. I'm flying out in the morning. Hopefully all this bad weather gets out of here. So I'll be headed up to Fargo for my first game in the Fargo Dome. Really, really excited to see it. And then on top of that, the South Dakota, South Dakota State reached out. I got credentialed for that. It'll just be depending on, I, I believe the Dakotas are getting like 12 or 13 inches of snow and it'll just depend on how feasible it is to get from Fargo to Brookings, South Dakota on Saturday morning on whether I'll be at that game. But definitely will be in the Fargo Dome for the North Dakota State Incarnate Word game. We'll have pictures, post-game press conferences, the whole nine from that game on Friday night. And I'm really, really excited to go see Lindsey Scott in person. Finally get to see North Dakota State in person as well. And then my last trip of the year for FCS game day will be the national championship game in Frisco, Texas on, on January 8th, and that'll be the last game of the year that uh that, that I'll be traveling to. But on this episode, we're going to preview the two semifinal games, talk a little bit about the Celebration Bowl. I'll open up the call lines. The call-in number is 701-779-9585. I'll take y'all's calls, live comments, man, and we'll get out of here tomorrow night. I'll have Ken Clark, and my guy Josh Sims on, former NCCU football player Ken Clark from the 1400 Club Tiger Talk. They'll both be on tomorrow. We're going to do another Celebration Bowl preview. I know they got a lot of thoughts. They're going to, they're going to tell you why their team's going to win. We'll do a little bit of trash talk and take some live calls. It's going to be a really, really fun live stream tomorrow night, 7.30 p.m. Central Time right here on the channel. If you haven't already checked it out, we have the NCCU offensive coordinator, Matt Leone, on the show as well. Me and Coach Fred chopped it up with him. That episode is already available. Go check it out um, on, on our YouTube page and any podcast streaming platforms if you haven't already watched that. We had a great conversation, talked a bit, a little bit about uh, Davius Richard's development, you know, his offensive scheme, a little bit about his time as the Southern offensive coordinator, and also previewed the Celebration Bowl. He gave us a little bit of a breakdown of what he's what he's seen from Jackson State's defense going into this game. But man, let's let's kick this one off. We got two huge, huge semifinal matchups here: North Dakota State hosting Incarnate Word, South Dakota State hosting Montana State. A huge rematch from last year's semifinal game that was up in Bozeman, where Montana State. Um, well, Montana State pulled it out and got to the national championship and ended up losing to the Bison. So a lot at stake here. Now, North Dakota State Incarnate Word is such an interesting game to me because stylistically, these couldn't be more opposite teams in how they approach uh, how they approach the game, especially offensively. 
you have North Dakota State who that they they have four running backs or four players over the 450 yard mark this year. They're going to run the football as much as they want. They got one of the bigger physical offensive lines in the entire country and they play suffocating defense. They have one of the best passing defenses in the country, and they've been extremely efficient in slowing down some of the more potent offenses in the country, even going back to last week against Sanford, who came into the game with one of the highest-scoring offenses in the country and only put up a grand total of nine points. Now, on the other side, you have the Walter Payton Award favorite, in my opinion, in Lindsey Scott Jr. Incarnate War is putting up over 50 points per game. They got the most explosive offense that's in one of the most explosive offenses in the entire country, by far the most explosive offense that's left in the playoff bracket. And it's going to be really interesting to see how they, how they, how they match up in this one, because historically I'll say this historically when North Dakota state has faced high scoring, high powered offenses with electric quarterbacks, like you look at the Eric Barrier. You look, you look at someone like that, North Dakota State's had a lot of success against those guys. There hasn't been a lot of offenses that attack defenses like Incarnate Word that have had a, have had a lot of success against North Dakota State, especially in Fargo. And so if you're looking at history and letting that lead your decision-making, a lot of people are saying that this isn't, that this isn't going to be necessarily close. And I just don't see how you could say that. I don't think this North Dakota State team is the strongest we've seen, but they definitely still could win, go and win the national championship. It's going to come down to one thing. Injuries are the biggest question mark for me for North Dakota State. They have about nine or ten guys all potentially out for this game with either high ankle sprains, Ankle injury, knee injuries, it just seems like a week in and week out, North Dakota State just can't stay healthy. And when you look at some of their playoff runs, that's something that they really haven't had to deal with. They've been the healthier team at the end for most of their runs. And so how do they deal with that? Who steps up? Kobe Johnson is going to have to be an outstanding player this weekend. 762 yards rushing this year, over seven and a half yards per carry exploded just just a few games ago for the for the bison on the offensive side of the football and when you look at their team it's going to have to potentially come down to to cam miller making a handful of throws that's the question i have if ndsu runs the football let's just say it at I don't know what you want to say, like for like 200 yards this game. Let's say Incarnate Word just loads the box. Can Cam Miller make those few few throws to make the Incarnate Word defense stay honest? He's been extremely efficient this year. He's completed 70% of his passes, 11 touchdowns, three picks for about 1,700 yards. But can he do it against a an a incarnate word defense that has been really stingy this year they've been great at forcing turnovers now you can look at the stats and say the defense has been not very good i mean they gave up they give up over 368 per game but they do a great job of intercepting the football 14 interceptions to only 14 touchdowns allowed through the air and last week you saw what kalechi and alabechi did on, on the fumble recovery late in that game that was an intricate piece or intricate play, and then pulling up the upset win over Sacramento State. So can they be opportunistic, and can they force a North Dakota State offense that 
this season has not made a lot of mistakes to make those mistakes to keep them in the game. That's a big question mark. Now, defensively for the Bison, anyone who has watched this team play, they're not super flashy on the defensive side of the football. And I do think Incarnate Word has a chance with Marcus Cooper to run the football fairly well. They're allowing about 140 yards per game, four yards per carry, the Bison defenses. But the passing defense goes up against one of the most explosive passing offenses. 160 allowed through the air, 14 interceptions for the Bison. Can they be that effective? Michael Tutsi, that secondary, they have a lot of tacklers. They have a lot of guys who can come down the box and play. But who's going to step up as a lockdown corner against two All-American wide receivers in Taylor Grimes and Darian Chafin? That's going to be my question. Destin Talbot, Destin Talbert, Courtney Eubanks, Dawson Weber, the list goes on and on on guys that have to step up big time for the Bison this weekend. Who is going to be the guy? We saw it, it was Destin Talbert last year against James Madison with the outrageous interception in the end zone that sent the Bison to the national championship. Who's making the play? Who is going to make the play for the Bison? Year in and year out, we have that guy. The question is, who's going to step up this season for the Bison in this moment? Now, for the Cardinals, this is a big one. You have, coming into the playoffs, there was a lot of people in the first round game or the second round game against Furman that were picking the upset. <clears throat> there were a lot of people who thought the distraction of G.J. Kinney to go into Texas State, incarnate words, lack of historical success in the playoffs, were going to... We're going to cause some problems for Incarnate Word, and all they've done is answer that with a resounding, we're just going to outscore everybody. They outscored, had a, had a a touchdown within the two-minute, the final two minutes against Furman to win that game, 66-63, the highest-scoring game in FCS playoff history last week in a win against Sacramento State. Are they going to be able to just keep outscoring people? That's the question. Are they going to be able to keep outscoring people? Because what's generally happen is people come into the Fargo Dome and North Dakota State turns it into a grind out we're, we're just we're just going to run the ball down your throat and it doesn't matter how many points you can score we're just we're just going to beat you down and grind you out and you're just not going to have the I, I would say the stamina or the strength to withstand what we're going to do to you Lindsey Scott 59 passing touchdowns 4400 yards completing 71 percent of his passes this year and in the playoffs has done a really great job running the football, went for over a hundred in two of in, in two of the playoff games. He has oh he has over six hundred yards rushing and nine touchdowns too. This is a guy that is about to hit the 70 total touchdown mark for a season. Marcus Cooper, though, is my X factor this weekend. I know everyone wants to talk about Lindsey Scott, Taylor Grimes, Jer Darian Chafin. If Marcus Cooper can can establish the run if he can hit let's just say a uh, hundred yards to 115 yards rushing that's going to be a major key this weekend he has 1300 been averaging about seven yards per carry 12 touchdowns last week against sac state he was kind of the unsung hero everything that Lindsey scott does is front page fcs news marcus cooper's kind of been the the guy who was looked at as the Robin of this offense, and not a lot of people have been talking about him, but he's going to unlock the key to the Cardinals' defense. If North Dakota State makes Incarnate Word one-dimensional, this is going to be a really, really tough win to pull out on the road. You are going to have 
to establish some sort of balance. You're going to be able to you're going to have to run the football with Cooper and open up things down the field with Lindsey Scott. Explosive plays are the key for incarnate word. North Dakota State does an excellent job of even if you can walk it down the field, they can, they can force a turnover in the red zone. They can hold you to a field goal, block a field goal. That's what they did to Stanford last week. Explosive plays are going to be key for Incarnate Word. They've been the best team in the country at producing explosive plays. They're going to have to have a few this weekend. The goal, the goal for Incarnate Word's offense is to help out their defense by putting pressure on North Dakota State to score. The longer Incarnate Word does not score, the more comfortable North Dakota State is going to be to run the football, control the clock, and just let their offense grind out the Incarnate Word defense. But if Lindsey Scott in this offense goes out there and they they hit a two-play drive and they get a quick touchdown in, in the, on their second drive and it's 14-3 to three or 14-7, just keep the pressure on North Dakota State to score. Their offense is not the... They're missing Hunter Lipke. They potentially could be missing Tameric Williams. They're missing um, – I forgot the transfer wide receiver. Now, Phoenix Sproles transferred out midseason. I don't think the weapons are as deep as they have been for North Dakota State. Incarnate Word has to keep pressure on the Bison to keep scoring and put pressure on the offense to execute at a high level. And I've seen this a few times. Lindsey Scott is completely done. Look, unless he can find a way to have a – a seventh year of eligibility, there's no way he's going to Texas State. He's he's gonna have to be that it it's it's he's gonna he's he's going to the NFL or USFL or, or or XFL wherever he may go in the next level. I don't think um I, I don't think he unless there's some weird rule that he can pull out of the blue, I I don't think um I, I don't think he could transfer. Yeah, Hunter Lipke's out for the season T if I'm not mistaken. Um, this is a game where the unknown guys will have to be great and be known. It's obvious who's doing what. Agree with that. I don't think NDSU is going to stop Scott from hitting his numbers, even if they chop off a little bit. Still a successful day. I don't trust UIW's uh, defense. Yeah, the cat is Montana State down there. Um, another thing for Incarnate Word is you have to protect Lindsey Scott. That is, that is like, one of the major, major things I'm going to be watching this weekend. They've only allowed 17 sacks. Only 17 sacks throughout this entire season. North Dakota State is going to come after them. Spencer Wagey and Javier Durrett have been great this playoffs. And, and Spencer Wagey, an All-American, that is going like you if you do not protect Lindsey Scott, this is a wrap. A big reason why the North Dakota State secondary has been so statistically sound is because they've done a really good job at pressuring the quarterback, making him uncomfortable in the pocket. Go watch the first half of Stanford. The DBs aren't doing anything special, in my opinion. What's happening is the quarterback, the uh, backup, I forgot to say, Quincy, he had zero time, zero time to throw the football, and he was – running for his life and it really really affected his downfield accuracy and his eyes started coming down the pocket you go look at that north carolina a&t game they were after the quarterback made them one dimensional they said you can run the ball all you want but you're not throwing for nothing and they forced a few really bad turnovers for for north carolina a&t if the 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 reason that i'm so hesitant to pick incarnate word 
And I really wanted to. Like, my soul wants me to pick Incarnate Word because they're the underdog team. I've been riding with them all year when no one else had coming into the season. Everyone everyone counted about because of Cam Ward leaving. I've been riding with Incarnate Word all year, but I'm just so worried, even with the injuries at running back for North Dakota State, that Incarnate Word is not going to be able to stop the running attack of North Dakota State. It, it's just... I, I have not seen it all year long. They couldn't stop the run against Southeastern Louisiana. They couldn't stop the run last week against Sac State. They couldn't stop the run against Furman. And it was just their offense was that good to bail them out. And it's just eventually that is going to catch up with you. And so as much as I want to pick them, man, I'm going to go with North Dakota State this weekend at home in the Fargo Dome, making it to another national championship. Give me, give me the Bison this weekend. 35 to 31 over Incarnate Word. I do think it's going to be a close game. I do think Incarnate Word is able to put up points. The issue is I just don't see them making enough stops in against the Bison to, to pull out this upset. But I do think they, they keep it competitive. Give me the Bison 35-31 over Incarnate Word this weekend in the Fargo Dome. And... Moving to what I think is probably the game of the week this week. Uh, I, I'm really excited for this game because I do think these are the two best teams in the country right here. I, if I had to put money on it right this second, I do think the national champion comes from this game between South Dakota State and Montana State. I think these are the, these are the two best teams in the country at this point. And they really kind of, and South Dakota State's been up there all year, but Montana State has really hit their stride. They've gotten healthy at the right time, and the Bobcats are rolling. And after what I saw last week against William and Mary, I don't know if there's a hotter team in the country. <clears throat> the matchup to watch. If, if anyone in the comments already doesn't know what the matchup to watch is, it's the number one run defense in the country in South Dakota State who has been dominant this year against everyone they faced in terms of the run game. They've only allowed two teams. They've only now three to run for over 100 yards. And Montana State's rushing attack, which all season long has been hurt, averaging 332 yards per game, seven yards per carry, and has rushed for 47 touchdowns on the ground. Uh, it's just statistically, I've never seen anything like what I'm seeing with Montana State's r rushing attack and the rush defense for South Dakota State only allowing 85 yards per game, 2.8 yards per carry, and have only allowed 10 total touchdowns on the ground. And those, some of them came last week <laughs> in the playoffs against Holy Cross. I will say, though, last week against Holy Cross, it it worries me a little bit. Last week against Holy Cross, 261, two touchdowns on the ground allowed for South Dakota State against a Holy Cross rushing attack that is similar. They're similar in their way they attack in terms of the quarterback is extremely involved in the rushing attack. But I don't think Holy Cross offer the explosiveness at running back that what uh, the compared to what Montana State offers right now. They have Peter Oliver, but they don't have the stable of running backs and two quarterbacks for Montana State that are going to offer the, the – I, I think they're going to offer that Jack Rabbit's defense a lot of trouble. And I do think early in that game, Matthew Sulka offered like, – they, they brought a whole lot of issues to that South Dakota State – defense and that worries me because I do as much as I love S Saluka 
I really, really love what Tommy Mallott and Sean Chambers brings to the offense. And then on top of that, I love – listen, no disrespect to any of my Holy Cross listeners out there, but there is not a better running back, in my opinion, no offense to Hunter Lippy either, that South Dakota State has seen all year than a healthy Isaiah Afonzi. I think Isaiah Afonzi is the be- is probably the best running back in the FCS when when healthy, and he got to rest all year long. His first action was two weeks ago, and now he's completely fresh, getting in a groove, and this season has already put up over 250 and averaging 12 yards per carry this season through two games. He only has 21 attempts on the year, and if I got to tell you, you get to make it to the semifinals of the FCS playoffs with – your best running back having 20 carries on his legs for the entire season. You get your All-American running back completely fresh for a two-game stretch, and everyone is signing up for that. Everybody is signing up for that, and that's something that I think separates Montana State from last year is that they were injured last year. Now they're getting healthy. Shout out to Raw Truth Media, man. Appreciate you tuning in. Uh, he said, Montana State and South Dakota State are juggernauts. I watched South Dakota State slow down Iowa's run game on live TV. That was a hell of a game, too, week one. I really wish South Dakota State would have pulled that out. But when you look at the faces bet- behind Montana State's rushing attack, Tommy Malott hit the 1,000-yard mark, 12 rushing touchdowns, averaging over seven yards per carry. Sean Chambers, the backup quarterback, 18 rushing touchdowns from the backup quarterback this year. Elijah Elliott, 725 on the ground. Lane Sumner, 450. Marquis Johnson, a wide receiver, 418 and seven touchdowns. And that doesn't even include Garrett Coon or Isaiah Afonzi on on this team. That's going to be extremely interesting to see how South Dakota State handles that. They have a great front seven, though. They got a great front seven. Jason Freeman has played outstanding this year. You know what Caleb Sanders is. Six sacks, eight tackles for loss this year. Reese Winkleman, in my opinion, is so underrated for South Dakota State. I know Caleb Sanders gets the Buck Buchanan recognition, the All-American recognition. I think there's an argument that Reese Winkleman is right there in terms of talent. The guy is an absolute game changer on, on that defensive line. And Caleb Sanders and Reese Winkleman are going to have to have huge games. They are going to have to take advantage of a Montana State offensive line that has been elite this year toward the end of the season. And on the back end of the defense, it's going to be interesting how All-American, Deshaun Gales, Kale Reeder, can they, if Montana State has to put in the air, can they force mistakes out of two quarterbacks that haven't made a lot of mistakes throughout this season? That's that's going to be the question. They each have they'll each have four interceptions this year. If you can force turnovers, Montana State is beatable. And that's what happened last weekend. You you couldn't stop the run with Saluka and them. As soon as they put it in the air, though, South Dakota State was able to force multiple turnovers, had that pick six before halftime that really changed the trajectory of this game. And Montana State's defense played really well. They went up against a top five rushing attack in William and Mary last week and absolutely stifled them at halftime. They only allowed 60 total yards in the first half and only, I believe three first downs only allowed nine first downs for the whole game. Can they repeat that? Because throughout the season, the defense has not played that dominant. That was probably their best game last week against William and Mary. And you've got a South Dakota state offense that is experienced and has some weapons because Mark Gronikowski 
I, I caught some backlash. I'll be honest. So I was releasing all conference teams this week. If you haven't caught our all conference teams, they're all of them, but like three conferences are on our website. The other three drop tomorrow. I, I thought Mark Gronikowski deserved first team all conference honors. He was a first team all conference quarterback for our publication. I believe the conference put uh, Theo Day from uh, Northern Iowa first team. For me, the reason I'm taking Gronikowski over Theo Day is his dual threat ability. And I think he is the most consistent quarterback out of the two guys. He's so efficient through the air when he gets to really air it out. 21 touchdowns, 2,500 yards passing, only five turnovers this season for Gronikowski. And on the ground, 300 yards, 10 rushing touchdowns, which really comes into play in the red zone because they have so many different weapons in that offense to attack you when they get inside the 20 and have scoring opportunities, which is why they're so efficient in the red zone. And then, of course, you got the Yankee Twins. We know what they bring. Jackson and Jaden, 13 combined touchdowns, over 1,400 yards between the two of them. And then, of course, you got one of the probably the best tight end duo in the country in Zach Kahn's and Tucker Craft. How does Montana State secondary handle that? They got a lot of great athletes back there. Ty Okada, Callahan O'Reilly at linebacker has played big for them. How do they handle all the weapons that South Dakota State does have? I dig. I did say last week, I didn't think this offense was necessarily explosive, but I don't think, like me and some South Dakota State fans talked about, I don't necessarily think the goal of this offense is to be explosive. It's to run the football down your throat and grind you out and wear you out. Isaiah Davis is going to be big, over 1,100 yards rushing, five five and a half yards per carry, 13 rushing touchdowns. And Amar Johnson is a guy that has not really gotten a lot of shine in terms of national media but has quietly put together a solid season with over 500 yards on the ground as well. How balanced and how efficient is the offense this weekend? That's the big question for me for this game. And I agree, James, both Hines, Hines and Tucker Craft are both going to the league. They, that they are on point. Ron said, we don't turn it over. Touchdown. Tommy only has one turnover the entire season. <laughs> it, Ryan's throwing it out there. For me, it comes down to, do I trust South Dakota State to stop the rushing attack of Montana State? And after last week, I think there's some room to improve. I think Mon Montana State has too many weapons in the run game. I think they're going to be able to put a lot of pressure on South Dakota State. I trust their defense to make one stop down the stretch to win this football game. Give me the Bobcats 24-20 to 20 this weekend over South Dakota State. I got the Bobcats in the upset, and I think I think I got a rematch in the national championship. I got the Montana State Bobcats facing the North Dakota State Bison in Frisco, Texas, on January eighth, I believe. I just think the Bobcats right now are the hottest team in the country. The offense is too explosive right now. They're getting healthy at just the right time, and I don't and I don't think South Dakota State is going to be able to slow down all those weapons in the rushing attack. 24-20 Montana State gets the upset win in Brookings over South uh, over South Dakota State this weekend. Now for the Celebration Bowl, extremely excited for this game as well. Already gave my score prediction. Y'all know how I'm feeling, but people who didn't tune into the roundtable, I do want to talk a little bit more about it. Jackson State looking to finish the season 13-0, looking to complete their first undefeated season in school history. Central looking to win their first celebration bowl and they're looking to kind of 
reclaim not reclaim the MEAC title, but redeem themselves. If you remember the MEAC five and one in the celebration bowl, the only loss was central to Grambling a few years back. And that's going to be a huge, I think, a huge thing for central fans is that they can't be the one MEAC team to lose both times they went to the celebration bowl. Can't you cannot have that happen <laughs> if you're North Carolina Central. But Jackson State comes in here with all the, I hate to say, I mean, they do. They they come in with a lot of distractions. But I will say, I do think some of the distractions can be quieted a little bit because they made the hire in-house. Because they know T.C. Taylor, they know what he's about, they got a previous relationship with him, and they've kind of had a few weeks to digest that their head coach is leaving. I really don't think all the external distractions people are talking about are going to are going to play as big of a role as some people are talking about. I think Jackson is going to be focused. I don't think they're going to be too distracted. It'll be in, I think the bigger interesting aspect of this game has been Central's layoff because I talked a bit about this yesterday. And I talked about it with Matt Leone on the interview is that a lot of people are saying the layoff helps a team. And I don't necessarily think that's always the case. I do think there's a very, very good chance that a long layoff like that where you're really not, you don't have any game action, the bullets are flying, uh, it could cause your team to come out a bit flat in this one. And that's what I'm worried about because if you come out flat, Jackson has the team that can put you put you behind the eight ball really, really quickly. Things to get out of hand. The momentum could swing. And even by the time you kind of catch your momentum, you start hitting on all cylinders, the game could possibly be out of reach. And that's the biggest thing is for Central has to start fast. You, I need at least some sort of points on your first two drives. Whether it's three, seven, like I need you to have, I get that zero off the board early. The longer Central takes to fire off on offense, the more pressure I'll be putting on their defense against this Jackson State offense that it right has throughout the season has played without pressure because of how elite their defense has been. Central has to get the monkey off their back and put up points on the board early in this game. That is going to be the key. And I, I spoke a little bit about this yesterday. Central's ability to stay in third and short has been a major, major factor in this game or or throughout this season, they have to stay in third and short. Their offense becomes being in third and short keeps their offense unpredictable, which really helps their efficiency on third down every single game that they have been below 50% on third down opportunities. NCCU has lost both of their losses have come in games where they were not able to convert on third downs and they were not able to, to, to sustain drives efficiently. You have to hit that 50% mark. And that starts with staying in third and shorts and being efficient on third downs. And a lot of teams that have played Jackson this year, if you paid attention, the kiss of death against Jackson's defense is to find yourself in second and 12 plus, second and 13, third and 13, 14, 15. Like as soon as you get up over about second and 12, things are going to get impossibly difficult because Jackson has the athletes to pin their ears back. They're really creative with their blitzes, and they're going to come after you, and it's going to be extremely hard to push the ball down the field. 
staying out of second and third and longs and staying ahead of the chains is going to be key. Also, win the turnover battle. Any team that has that wants a chance to beat Jackson State this year, who is undefeated, cannot turn the football over. If you lose the turnover battle, you lose the game every single time, and it's not even going to be close. So Central has to be has to win the turnover battle. They're five and zero in games where they win the turnover battle by one or more, and if every time that they ha- catch the turnover bug, Central really and truly either almost loses the game or loses it. So Central has to win the turnover battle, and you have to establish the rushing attack. If Central doesn't run for one fifty to two hundred. I have a very, very hard time seeing any way Central wins this game. And it's because as much as Rashard's passing has been solid this year, 2,400 yards, 24 touchdowns, his legs have really opened up a whole nother aspect of this offense. Over 700 yards rushing, 13 rushing touchdowns. Latrell Collier's over 600 yards as well. This is going to be a must have aspect of their offense is that they're going to have to be balanced with their attack, but establishing the run and Davis Rashard making plays with his legs is absolutely key. You saw what happened when Southern opened up another aspect of their team with Bubba in terms of him making plays with his legs outside the pocket. He put Aubrey in space. He put, um, I'm blanking on the other linebackers name in space. I think he's number 32. I think it's Durante putting them in space, made them miss in space. And once you get past the one guy that's there, it's off to the races. And it was like that for Bubba a few times. And Davis Richard has to do that this weekend. If he doesn't, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. And then on the defensive side of the football, you've got the MEAC Defensive Player of the Year, Khalil Baker, four interceptions, one of the top in the country, and Manny Smith, 55 total tackles, four pass breakups. And on top of that, a guy I really like at linebacker, Jockey Brevard, nine and a half tackles for loss, 44 total tackles. All these guys have to play big. You need plays by your biggest playmakers in games like this to win. When you go back and look at last year, the biggest, the big-time playmakers for South Carolina State made plays. Shaq Davis, Jacoby Durant shutting down the side of the field, Jablonski Green, playmakers had to make – big-time playmakers had to make plays. Your superstars had to come to play. That's what Central needs this weekend on the defense side of the football is Khalil Baker, Manny Smith, Brevard. I mean, who else you want to throw in there? I, I think you can even throw Colby Warrior in there. These guys have to go make plays. And if they don't, Central's going to have a really tough time pulling this one out. And for Jackson – I think we all know what the key is. One, protect Shador Sanders. Now, Central hasn't done a excellent job of getting to the quarterback. They've had their moments, but if if Jackson doesn't protect Shador, it really impacts how their offense clicks because Shador starts looking down, looking down at the offensive line, not keeping his eyes downfield. He gets a little bit, he gets those happy feet, starts kind of moving around the pocket, holding on to the ball too long because he's overthinking stuff, trying to push it downfield, and Jackson's offense stalls, just like it did through a mid part of that Alcorn State game. Protect Shador, let him get comfortable. When he gets into his rhythm, he's, he's really, really hard to stop. That's going to be a key for Jackson. Also, containing Richard, which goes back to – NCCU establishing Rashard's legs. If you allow Rashard to get out of the pocket and beat you with his legs, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough game for Jackson. Contain Rashard in the pocket 
and do not do not let him, let him beat you with his legs. Force him to throw the football and make plays through the air. When, when you go back and look at that Campbell game, they said, listen, you can throw it all you want, but you're not going to run the football on us. And they contained Richard. He made some mistakes through the air, and that was a major key in that Campbell game was taking away Davis Richard's legs. Is that is going to have to be Jack State strategy this weekend, whether it's with the spa, whether it's with running contained with the defensive ends, keep him in the pocket and make his legs non-existent this weekend. And also got to take advantage of your mismatches. Everyone loves to watch the door throw for four or five touchdowns. But if they come out in that three, three, five, the offensive line in terms of run blocking for Jackson is too good not to take advantage of it. Your running back is too good and Savion Wilkerson over 1100 yards this year, over five yards per carry. If they don't load the box, you make them pay with Savion Wilkerson. Run the football straight down their throat every single time. They do not put enough guys in the box. Trust Tyler Brown. Trust Evan Henry. Trust Zach Bro. Trust whoever. You trust your offensive line to go eat against three-man fronts. If they don't put four guys down, and I'm not talking – I'm talking about four defense and a linebacker, run it down their throat. You got – the offensive line should be too big, too physical. Take advantage of your mismatches. That's going to be a major key for Jackson. Savion Wilkerson, if they don't if they don't load the box and force you to stop them, should have 25 to 30 carries. It's the last game of the year. He can rest after that. Throw it down. I mean, run it down their throat with Savion Wilkerson. That that's it. That is a major thing for me. And then defensively. You know what Aubrey's going to bring. 106 tackles this year, 11 for loss, two sacks. He's played outstanding this year. He's going to be the guy in the middle of the defense. I want to see who steps up in terms of a pass rusher. Jeremiah Brown's had an excellent year, six sacks. Niles Gaddy's at seven. Justin Reagan's at 10. Who's going to be the guy? Baron Hobson's even had some success. Who's going to be the guy to take over this game? Going back to what I said with Central, your big-time playmakers have to make plays in big-time games. Who steps up in terms of getting to Richard and getting pressure? And that Campbell game, which is a game that I think the defense ran a very similar scheme to what I expect Jackson to run this week, I'm really, really interested to see who steps there up. There are two participants game, in the conference. Johnson. He stepped up. Brevin Allen has some big moments, too. Who steps up on the defensive line for Jackson State, man? But I've already given my prediction – 28-24 Jackson State over Central this weekend. I do think Central is going to be able to keep it somewhat close, but I just think Jackson has too much to – I think they're going to be playing for a lot, man. Looking at the passion on T.C. Taylor's face when they introduced him as a head coach, I, I still think Jackson's going to be plenty motivated, and I think they're going to have enough weapons to pull this one out. So give me Jackson by four this weekend over Central. But, man, I'm going to open up the call line, 701-779-9585. Already got a few people in here. I'm going to get to them. But call in. We'll take calls for about 25, 25 minutes. Mr. Ford, you're live. Hey, uh, I had two things I want to ask you. Hold on, hold on. Okay, first of all, I want to know, what are you hearing about TC staff? Uh, what names are you hearing? And then the second question is, uh, what are you hearing? Who's who's going to uh, – what players are leaving to go to college? Where, I, I mean, I know Shadua. I know Travis Hunter. You know, I'm, I'm try, I know Coleman. 
I'm trying to other players that, that have not been mentioned. Who do you know that's going to Colorado? So for staff hires, I haven't heard anything uh, yet. I think they're kind of waiting until after the Celebration Bowl. But I do okay. think they're going to retain Weeks, the D-line coach. Right. But do you, will it be his defensive coordinator? I don't see why he wouldn't. He's done a hell okay. of a job recruiting yes, and a has. hell of a job developing talent. I mean, I, don't, I think he's earned yeah. it, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so, too. And he's, he's from uh, anybody with Rex Ryan, them, you know they know defense. A, a thousand percent. So I think yeah. he'll be retained. Um, but outside of that, I, I don't know who all is going to stay. But for the players, I've, I, I, okay, I, I want to say some. Some people have told me in confidence but they don't want right. it to get out till after the game. But I will say okay. I've talked to about five defensive players who are expected to enter the transfer portal that have played significant time for them. I'll just say that. Okay. And But okay. I've talked to them, and they just asked me to kind of keep it under wraps until after the Celebration Bowl just, you know, to limit distractions. Okay. Okay. Uh, but, did, uh, what, now, let me ask you this. You know Georgia Tech hired Buster Faulkner. I, I remember when he was in high school. What what you think about that hire as offense coordinator? I think I think it's a solid hire. I'm just yeah. – with them, it, he earned it. I'm with you. He earned it. I just think there's still a lot of unknown about the longevity of what they're putting together at Georgia Tech, if that makes sense. I still – it could work early. The players were inspired. He did a hell of a job coaching, but I just don't know if he's the guy long term. Um, right for for them. But I do got to ask you. I don't know if you heard. A uh, and T fired Sam Washington. So that's Maynard going in. Maynard get that job. Oh, you think so? Yeah. You know what? Sam would be a good man down here in this swag as a defense coordinator. Someone said yeah, Maynard's that. Um, get the job. I heard from an A&T guy that he may be a candidate for Valley's head coaching position. To my Sam? Yeah. Yeah, I can see. Now, Sam, went to, he went to Valley. He's a Valley graduate. Yeah, Played so. Played for the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, I think it was. Yeah, so they uh, they talked about him being um, a top candidate for, for that job. And then I tweeted out, here's the guy I would go for because you want a guy who has CAA experience. And I know me and you talked about him already. I don't know why they wouldn't try to go after Vincent Brown, who is the associate head yeah. coach and defensive coordinator for William and Mary and has been yeah. under um, Mike London since back at Howard and played at Valley. Yeah. And he was a, he was a favorite of um, what was the guy's name? That was the coach before Balachek that went to the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, uh, oh. Bill Parcells. Yeah. He was a favorite of Bill Parcells. Yeah, I know Vince. Vince. I remember when Vincent Brown was in high school. He had uh, he went to a school called George High School. It's now called South Atlanta. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, you you know what? Yeah, um, Sam. I, you know that, that that that's a hard thing of that um, Mississippi Valley. But I really, I would like to see Sam get one of these uh, defense coordinator jobs. Uh, but I mean, yeah, I could, you're right. He probably get that. Uh, he'll probably get that ballot job. It would make uh, sense. I'm thinking that, that the alumni gonna make them high Mena. They gonna make them high now, Mena. So there was a spaces on Twitter hosted by a bunch of A and T alums right after this, and I was in there listening. There were like 
a bunch of them who were saying that if they hire Maynard, they'll stop donating. Like they, the fans do not want Maynard. Apparently, oh real? They hate it because I think mostly because of what happened this year. But there were some guys who are high level A and T guys that are very very vocal on social media about A and T that said they would that they would protest that hire. Well, then A&T probably needs a celebrity coach or uh, somebody from uh, the NFL or Power Five. Someone, I, you know, now you know. I mean, you didn't say this. I mean, I don't talk with you a hundred times. I think that they're gonna fail in all sports in the CAA because I don't think they can compete. They don't have the money. I don't think they're gonna do well in the CAA, and I don't think uh, Hampton's gonna do well in the CAA. Hampton, so, yeah, Hampton didn't do. Uh, they did better than I expected their first year. Still not great, but I think a lot of How people... How many games were, did they win in the CAA? I think they won one or two, which is... I thought they were going to win none, to be honest with you. How many games did they play? Uh, I believe the CAA plays an eight-game conference schedule. And they won two? Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. And who who did they beat? Uh, I know one was U Albany, who, I mean, they weren't great, but they did have the... Uh, Second place finisher for the Jerry Rice Orleans. Double check it was uh okay. No, they went one and seven in conference, and their one win was over U Albany on the road. Okay. Um I'm I'm you you're telling me something now about these people not wanting Maynard. They, he was they, a legend up there. There's people in the chat freaking out saying like I should hang up because you suggested Maynard. They they are not they do not want him. Someone suggested Cam Newton, but I don't think Cam really wants to coach. Cam Newton? Yeah, I don't think Cam wants to coach. And it's just, I I can't see that. And for me, as much as a celebrity hire would bring in money, recruiting, you know, all the attention, it doesn't make sense to me why you move to the CAA. Why would you hire a guy with zero coaching experience and take a chance like that? Because a celebrity coach, if if he doesn't win immediately like Dion, you're going to get buried in the CAA if you don't have any coaching skills. Yeah, you're right about that. That's a top uh, FCS conference. That's CAA. And, and and don't forget, they got a lot of money. You know, Villanova plays with $58 million. Delaware played with forty. They got money in that CAA. A lot of money. And then there was an A&T guy who messaged me on, on, on Twitter and he sent me two names. One of them was Rob Ambrose who was just let go from Towson, has experience in the CAA. He was the one that led Towson to the national championship when they lost to North Dakota State. Okay, okay. I remember him. Yeah. Yeah. And the yeah. other one. And who was it, the other one? The, I'm loading up right now. The other one is Holloman Copeland, who is the assistant, who was an assistant coach up at Delaware, and he's the recruiting coordinator and DB coach up there. Um, Holman, Holloman Cop- Copeland and. Let's see. I'm trying to see where he was before that. He's he he used to work at William and Mary, and he used to work at the University of Buffalo as a graduate assistant. I'm gonna have to research him. I don't know him. Yeah. So I mean, I Ambrose would be an interesting hire. You would have a because, co- in my opinion, I think A and T is a better job than Townsend. Just in my opinion. Okay. But okay. It would be tough to sell to your fan base that we're going to hire a coach who did 
who who did lead a team to a national title, but just got fired from one of the worst CAA schools in the conference right now to come lead us into the CAA. If that may, that would just be a really tough sell, in my opinion, publicly for the fans. Now Hilton's gonna make the final decision. He'll, the president of Rubber Stamp, but they believe in Hilton. Um, whoever Hilton wants, that's who they'll get. Um, this is gonna be interesting. You giving me something I got to keep up with now. Yeah, a I, lot of I people are that, surprised. Uh, Sam, I thought that uh, Washington had saved his job. He he won everything except, I mean, they turned it around. He lost to Gardner Well for the championship, right? Yeah, the last week of the season. That's what kept him out of the playoffs. Because I thought he had saved his job, but I guess I, I guess they they said big south for nothing, huh? I told people before the season I thought that's what was going to happen. I just I had a feeling how they were going to spin it is if you can't win the Big South when the Big South was supposed to be quote quote down, then right. th- then how could we trust your leaders in the CAA? And I think it's a bad perspective, but that's just I, I had a feeling that that's what was going to happen because I feel like they want to go get somebody who has some sort of high level experience. But Doctor Cavill uh, from the HBCU Sports Lab reached out to me and said that he couldn't say who. But they have a guy in their crosshairs right now, and it's going to be announced sooner rather than later. So I threw out Vincent Brown. I don't know if it, they've had enough time to get him, but apparently Dr. Right. Cavill is confident that they have their guy already. Now, listen, wh- when's, the, when's the signing date? When's the uh, Next December week. signing date? Next week. You, you're going to be doing your shows for HBCUs, or what are y'all yes. going to do? Yeah, I, I will. I probably would do it for like the FCS mostly, but right, I'll, that's I'll be, what I'm saying. yeah, I'll probably be live most of the day for that one it's because I think it's going to be a big day. I don't know if you saw Jackson just landed a four star transfer yeah, from Oregon. Get from Oregon, right? Yeah, he's an athlete, played running back. He's a stud. I did some film study on him earlier today because he committed late at night, but he's just a an athlete. I mean, they can put him at wide receiver. They could put him at running back. I think he could play special teams. He's just a guy that has the whole package and it's going to be really, really interested on how TC wants to use him because he can fit so many roles. And he kind of reminds me of like a Mar- a Maurice Washington type of athlete. Woo! Yeah, he's that good. I, I mean, it can break up them 70 and 80 yard runs. Oh, he's got the athleticism and explosiveness to do it. The problem is I don't think he had the film that Maurice had uh-huh. coming in. But, man, he's a dog, Mr. Ford, I'm telling you. And I, usually I'll be critical of players if I don't see it. The kid has a chance to be special. Well, let me say this, and, and uh, this is what's been bothering me. I haven't heard anything about Alabama State getting another offensive coordinator. I haven't heard anything about Southern upgrading that pistol uh, coaching staff they got down there. Have you heard anything? No, uh, they have no one's made a move as of today. Nobody, and I've well, even heard anything about A and M upgrading the quarterback spot either. Yeah, because now, I, I, to me personally, I was hoping that Bubba had another year. Then I found out Bubba's uh, it's out; he, he doesn't have another year. So I'm hoping it's that body. Uh, is it was it Bowden? What was the kid from New York? What was his name? No nope, transfer no, no from Bowden. Graham. Noah Bowden. Huh? Bodden yeah, Bowden, I'm hoping that like Bowden that. kid can come in and take over. Because I don't want to look at that. Uh, I want that kid to go to wide receiver. That McCray kid, I want him to go to wide receiver. 
or running back, man, I'd put him in yeah, running back too. Back. I mean, he, yeah. His cuts are next level. But now here's the other thing with Alabama State. I'm just hoping that the Alabama State alumni or the supporters of that football program are not going to let Robson bring that man back. That, uh, that uh, What's his name? Harry Williams. Let him go over there with the wide receivers because it's obvious he's in over his head as offense coordinator. So I'm saying to all you people on this chat, if you're from Alabama State, you need to let them know that y'all not going to let them bring that guy back. That guy's holding y'all up from being a legitimate uh, champion in the SWAC. Because to me, with Dion gone now, you got a legitimate shot. You got to get an offense coordinator. That's that's a fact. I, I you need an OC because you lost Miles Crawley, so you're going to need to bring someone in who can develop D Davis. You've got to get a quarterback right. guru to help him out because now you don't have any depth. Like he's your guy. Like there's no benching him and bringing in Miles Crawley like there was last year. You better go get you a quarterback coach ASAP. Yeah, because now let me just say this. Let me say this about Alabama State, and I'm gonna hang this phone up. Alabama State should have be fam. Alabama State should have be Prairie View. Alabama State definitely should have beat Arkansas Pine Bluff. That I mean that those three games right there, those were three blown games with no offense. Listen, Blue, y'all have a good night. So you say now the signing day is next Wednesday, right? Yes, I believe it's next Wednesday, or it's or it's maybe Tuesday, but it's next week for sure. So I'll have like a a signing day special like I did last year. Right. So you start in the morning. Yeah, I'll probably start about eight or nine in the morning and and just keep it rolling okay. all day. I'll be listening. You have a good evening. Appreciate you, Mister Ford. Okay. Bye bye. All right, I'm gonna go one six eight zero and then five three three three. One six eight zero, you're live. Peace, Blue. How you doing, bro? What's good, man? Hey, look, I know you don't need no defending, but um, I want to start out with saying this: that um, I remember the other day you were uh, reporting that someone uh, was saying that you're just a white boy that like to post stuff on on YouTube. So. Just to, just to put it out there for the chat and anybody that's unfamiliar with Blue, Blue's journalism and his knowledge of college sports is on point. The man does diligent work on knowing what he's talking about when he presents it, and I've never heard him say anything uh, uh, racial or derogatory towards uh, black people, our people, you know what I'm saying? So y'all need to cut that out. <laughs> All right. I just hey, man, I appreciate you. I Definitely appreciate you. I respect that. you, Blue. Yeah, for sure. So I salute you for that. You know what I mean? I especially appreciate people that take pride in their um, in their fields and their careers of what they represent. So, like, you thorough in that. Don't say that. So having said that, Blue, have you seen, uh, you know, what have what, what patterns have you seen with uh, Central's offense that they've been running uh, this year? They They eat you up underneath. They might not have, mm-hmm. you know, a Shane Hooks or Malachi Wadman, like one of those guys who can go deep or just big body guys that can eat you up alive over the top. They have a lot of guys that are kind of like that Josh Lanier, Warren Newman, that are going to mm-hmm. eat you up underneath. They're gonna they're gonna play well in space. He's gonna dump it down to them. They're gonna find the open spot in the defense. They're gonna catch it, and they're gonna make people miss out in space, and they're going to get out 
and and make plays. The Devin Smiths, EJ Hicks, like those are the type of wide receivers they are. Is that that they just make plays in open space and they're smaller guys that are fast, quick, and agile. And so that's what you're going to be facing. And if you don't do that, if you switch to like man coverage, what they're really great at is running the football with the troll collier at times. But then if, if it's not mm-hmm. there for Richard, he's great at getting out of the pocket, using his size to make people miss and make you plays with his legs. It's just almost like a, a catch 22 with that offense. It's like, they're either going to dump it off to the wide receivers. They got a hell of a all conference running back, or they got a quarterback who is like six, three plus and can get out of the pocket and right. run. And it's just, it's just hard to defend. And they're very creative with their play calling. Leone does a great job because they're so efficient in first and second downs. When it's third and one, third and two, they catch defenses in the wrong thing. A lot of the times. And that's where their explosive plays come from because they always mm-hmm. stay in second, third, and manageable. It keeps their entire playbook open the entire game, which gives them a leg up on the defensive coordinator. Right. Right. Yeah, because uh, Richard is like, he's, what, 200 pounds from Florida. Yeah, I think, I think he's closer to like 210, if I'm not I, – I mean, the dude's big in I person. I think so, too. I think, you, I think you're right. He's probably, probably about like 215, something like that. His boy's solid. He's got a good, uh, he's got a good touch on his um, on his passes. You know what I'm saying? That's the thing that I like about him. But now, what I what I feel is uh, one thing. Uh, well, I ain't gonna take up a whole lot of time, Blue. But one thing that I noticed that um, Jackson State had a problem with in the Celebration Bowl last year was uh, Shaq Davis was just towering. He he was too, uh, you know, he was too tall and and um, he was a great, he was tall, not just he was tall, but he's an, he's a, um, what they call an, a combat catcher. You understand what I'm saying? Like he attacks the ball at his highest point and he's very, um, good with that, you know, and I, pu- I bring that out because Central has about 12, uh, receivers that are like six, six feet and over six feet. You understand what I'm saying? Which is a good advantage, uh, for them if they know how to use them, right? But on the flip side, um, I think what's going to be a problem for them is that their DBs, um, they're like, you know, they're smaller. You know what I'm saying? And you got, uh, we got Weidman, we got Hooks, we got Daniels, Powers, Rucker. They're all, um, you know, those are all six feet uh, plus receivers, right? So now I think that's going to put a lot of pressure on them as far as like being able to to contain the, their speed and the fact that they uh, – uh, I know uh, Powers Powers and Wideman are combat catches, and then Hooks, you know what I mean? He's ridiculous with his athleticism. So I think that is going to be a handful for uh, Central to try to contain, you know what I mean? Like, uh, And I've seen, you know, some of the packages they run, they do like a gun split. And, uh, but I, what I feel Jackson State is going to do, they're going to do like an overfront defense. They're going to suffocate them pretty much all game. And uh, if you force um, Richard to have to run with his legs and you take away the secondary, it's going to be a long day. It's going to be a long day for Central. I think the score is going to end up being like about uh, 31 to 14 in a situation in a scenario like that. You know, plus you got uh, DJ Stevens, and he's uh, what? He's about like uh, six, 
uh, what is Stevens? He like six uh, three. Yeah, he's a bigger guy too. He's six three, two twenty, and he's a problem over the middle. So like, I don't. And their linebackers for uh, Central are very slow. You know what I mean? Like, I ain't, ain't going to take up too much more time, but they're very slow. That's the thing that I noticed on state, and that's going to be a problem with them, especially if you get uh, Savion busting through that middle and he makes a cut or two, they're not going to be able to catch him. And then you're pulling all your um, – you know, you're wearing out your uh, safeties uh, trying to, you know, deal with everything that Savion brings. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, so that's, that's pretty much what I got. And then the fact that um, our defensive line for Jackson State, uh, you know, uh, uh, Riggins, 6'2", 265, and Reagan is 6'4", uh, 220. And um, I don't know if True Thompson is still on the team or, or he's going to lace up, but if he does, that's 6'3", 338. That's a lot of pressure on that um, offensive line, you know, trying to try to deal with when you got Gaddy and um, Miller lurking out there, you know? No, nah, I mean, I, I think that breakdown's like, pretty spot on. That also – is going to be interesting because the central offensive line is pretty good, I would have to say. I mean, they, they got a solid offensive line. It's going to be interesting to see how well Jackson State gets pressure on the quarterback. Like, if Jack, because I don't think you're right. You're the, right. The only game that Jackson lost the line of scrimmage battle last year defensively was the celebration bowl last year. They didn't really get a lot of pressure on mm-hmm. fields, especially late, and it was really frustrating with James Houston. They had to move him to linebacker, try to create ways to get there. If that happens again, what is Thurman's adjustment to get pressure? Because all year their pass defense has benefited by quarterbacks not, not getting any time to really set their feet, pick the defense apart. What happens if Jack State can't get pressure? That's my biggest question is what's the adjustment by Thurman if that's the case? You're right, Lou, but see, one thing that I've been noticing about Central's offensive line too, though, is that sometimes they get a little undisciplined and they, uh, they, they like to cause a lot of false starts. If they, if they feel that the defense is going uh, uh, the defensive pressure, is going to get to their quarterback, they tend to, tend to jump a little early. And that's something to keep an eye on, you know, that line discipline. Yeah, especially with the speed Jackson's probably going to have coming off the edge. It'll be interesting to see because they did have a few false starts against Campbell, and it kind of, like I was talking about, they do really well staying yeah, ahead of the chains. Their offense is questionable when they get behind the – behind, like, what they're supposed to be. And so – It'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But hey, man, appreciate you calling in, giving me the breakdown, man. Great call. No problem, no problem. Uh, uh, have a good night, Blue, and keep doing what you're doing, man. Hey, appreciate it. Five three three three. You're live. Blue, you my boy. I <laughs> was good, man. What's happening, man? Hey. uh Long time listener, first time caller. All right, um, hey, turn down your background and just talk to me on the phone, and you'll be good. No worries. So, what I wanted to ask is, of course, you know I'm a Jag fan. Um. A hook a crook. Um, 
you know, in, in Dooley's first year. My thing is, I know we had a lot of injured running backs. Let's not count the quarterback situation. Let's look at the rest of the team. My first question is, what steps do they need to take, man, to get back to being dominant um, and, and doing what they need to do? That's number one. Number two, um, my next question is, I think TC was a good hire for Jackson State, um, but he's going to have a lot of work to do. I would not like to be coming behind Dion. Um, and in all honesty, I, I, we need Jackson State to be good, just like we need Grambling to be good. We need family to stay good and so on. What are your thoughts, man? So outside of the quarterback spot, I think that you, everyone knows that's Southern's biggest question. They're going to have to reload on the D-line. Losing Jordan Lewis, losing Jason Dumas, they're going to have to try to reload there. I think they got some young guys that are going to step into the starting spots, but they need to establish some more depth on the D-line. At linebacker, I think they need I, – I would like to see them land a – game-changing linebacker in terms of speed, sideline to sideline. I just didn't feel, I feel like they were okay at linebacker, but they didn't have any superstars there, and that's going to be something I need to see them kind of get a, a Mike linebacker that could be a game-changer. You're not always going to be able to find an Aubrey Miller, but you're going to have to find someone just below him. And I thought they did – I thought their safeties played really well, I still need to see them upgrade at corner for next season. That's going to be another thing is with the with the way the SWAC is going to be next year, I think you're going to have to have strong corner play. And that that would be my other critique is that I need to see them add a little bit more length and corner uh, for next season. Hey, man, but I appreciate you. Oh, go ahead. Just the product, just the product, and I would Hey, man. Um, hey, well, hang on. <clears throat> All right, man. Uh, hey, comment your question in the chat. You were breaking up super, super bad, man. I, I couldn't hear anything so just comment your other question in the chat or call back uh i think you, i think we we're having service issues on that one um see they must continue to be balanced in rpo let davies finish jackson the four jackson has not been tested for four quarters it's time to take the the final exam that's a good i, I like that one owen and owen if you want to call in and voice your frustrations on ant's coaching hire or coaching decision definitely let me know um Definitely let me know if you want to call in and voice your opinions on that. But listen, I'm going to take calls for like 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes. So get your calls in 701-779-9585. Um, check the poll real quick. Um, so it looks like – so I asked who you guys think was going to be the semifinal winners. Uh, Mr. Campbell, A&T fires Sam Washington today. 
Uh, according to Football Scoop, Sam Washington and A&T are going to part ways today, and A&T will have a new head coach next season. Um, there's a lot of speculation on what direction they're going to go. Are they going to get someone who is proven um, – you know, proven in the CAA, are they going? I don't know exactly what they're going to look for, but yeah, um, ANT's coach has been fired, uh, Mr. Campbell. Hey, Owen, all good if you're heated, man. I, I know you need to vent. <laughs> I know you need to vent, but I asked you guys in the chat uh, who you guys thought were going to be the semifinal winners. Um, 34% of you guys, we tied Montana State and North Dakota State and South Dakota State and North Dakota State were the two tied winners. And 16% were for SCSU and UIW and Montana State and UIW. So a lot of confidence in North Dakota State. Seems to be about 50-50 on the Montana State-South uh, Dakota State game. So I'll be interested to see who wins this weekend and if it's going to be upset central or what's going to happen. I think this is Owen, man. We're going to talk a little bit about A&T's coaching search here. What's up, Owen? You're live. Hey, man. I'm out here uh, walking in Beaufort, South Carolina, just trying to calm myself down. But it's been, you know, one hell of a day. Like, I'm all excited about going to the Celebration Bowl and cheering for little brother against Jackson State. And then I just don't – I don't understand the sense of entitlement where Coach Washington, everybody's coming off a of COVID year. You put him in a new conference. I don't. What do you want to say? The Big South is weaker conference. He should have won it. It's entitled. It's this. It's. I. I just. I don't understand. Like what the return is by getting rid of a program that's built on top of. You no, know, Broadway laid the foundation there for that program. Washington came into this year. The kid who was really the most talented at quarterback goes down in the second second game of the year. And Washington still wins six straight. And here we are now. It's just to me, it's unnecessary upheaval in the program. And I try to be patient with the AD and understand, like, I understand folks want to win an FCS national title. I'm not really that enamored with it. I'll just be honest that way. I love the MEAC, um, but I'm bought into the Aggie program. My wife is an Aggie, so I graduated Morehouse. The Aggies are my FCS program. And I just, I'm just uh, embarrassed <laughs> with, um, with the decision because I don't, I don't understand what the critique is of Washington. I, I hear the criticism. It's valid. The man won seven damn games and was was in the running to win his conference championship and didn't lose to a squad. You know, that, that's a good squad we lost to at Gardner Well. And go look at who they beat. So I, I just thought I'm, uh, I'm at a loss for it. It just doesn't add up. And I couldn't agree with Mr. Ford more like, and you know, just the really real is we don't have Jane Madison money. We can pretend like we got it, but at the end of the day, um, we don't have James Madison money. And so I, 
Um, I'm just disappointed for Coach Washington and all the people downstream on his staff that are affected by that. Tootin is in the portal today. Uh, it's just been a, da- a bad, in my mind, it's been a very bad day in Aggieland. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm curious to hear what you'll find out as this uh, story unfolds. But I had a bad no feeling. I had a very bad feeling when Tootin entered the portal today. Like, I, I, as soon as that happened, and then I saw the report of Washington being let go, I was like, oh, the dots are connecting, especially when uh, Taekwon King entered the portal earlier this year, too. Uh, I, yeah. There has to be something behind the scenes that – because if the players were already entered, in, entering the portal, because Taekwon King entered a while ago, I have to wonder how long it's kind of been known that they were moving on and how long they kept it under wraps. So do you think they have something done? Like, you know, you do something like this, clearly, you know, um, something is done, a deal is done. Like, surely we're not, we're not open up. The seven and 14, why do we need to go on a coaching search? Because <laughs> you guys are. Just explain that to me. You guys are hiring a basketball I mean, coach too, right? Yeah, and then you open up. No, Blue, let's just go back because here's the thing. Like, what's the, what's been the critique of the HBCU schools that, you know, were on the cusp of the FCS playoffs? Oh, your schedule. You know, guys, you got to stop playing these D2 things. You sent the man to Fargo to take the test, right? So, it, it, again, it's just disrespectful. You sent him to Fargo to basically say, where's our program? Fargo didn't hang 70 on us. The Bison didn't hang 70 on us. You can say they pull off the gas, whatever. I'm saying those kids represented the university well in every 11 games, and they have four losses, and I'm good with that because they built, they were building on something. They were better when they went to Duke. They came out of Duke. They ran the table. And, you know, as a fan, I'm just, as a supporter of the program, I'm just going to, my patience is done in terms of just being vocal. Like, I'm not chasing. I have no interest in North Carolina A&T being another football factory. Like, let's build a process. Let's build something special. Do it the right way. And I don't know where Coach Washington got off that track. He wasn't flashy enough. I just, I don't, I don't get it. I, I feel that because for me, the timing is mostly weird because of how close it is to early signing day and how long you guys have not been playing. Like this move could have been made right after the last game, like right after the Gardner-Webb loss. You could have announced this and already been weeks into your coaching search. Why do you make this move if you don't have someone – already locked up. And that's why Dr. Cavill told me that he thinks they got someone in the crosshairs and they got someone locked up. He couldn't tell me who, but he said that he thinks the hire is going to come possibly even this week. And that just makes it in one in the day and age of college football. If, it, if it's real that this move was made a while ago, props on A&T for keeping it under wraps. But I have to yeah. imagine that the timing right before early signing day is the most concerning thing for at least me because if you don't have a head coach in place, you ain't going to land many transfers. And it's weird because you guys landed 
two Jacksonville State transfers yesterday. Well, that might be a hint. <laughs> that I'm trying that to see, might be a hint. I'm trying to think who's on Jacksonville State staff that would jump to A&T, but no. Nah, um, do you have like a preference <laughs> on who you would hire, like what the qualifications of that coach would be? Do you want a celebrity? Do you want someone who has no, ties to I A&T? Don't. I don't want a celebrity. At the end of the day, like I want a football coach that feel that builds great players. Builds like what Coach Broadway. Here's another thing that Aggie Nation forgets. Hey, anybody remember when we went a couple years without winning a damn game? That ain't so been so far uh, removed from that. And so this air of entitlement, like, oh, we've arrived. We'll never lose more than six games or it's a problem. Um, I remember this millennium when this football program put a couple seasons under its belt without a win. So when you make a shakeup like this, um, I just don't see the risk reward in leaving a seven to four program. There's no controversies in the program that I'm aware of. So the, the numbers just, to me don't add up the man doesn't even get a chance i saw in the chat people were telling me well they knew that he wasn't going to be competitive in the caa the man's got two hbcu national champions he doesn't even get one season in the caa i, I, I what, feel that what, what is the rush and did you guys give him an extension recently yes oh, that's brutal i that is brutal because someone even tweeted I think jokingly it was like contract um, disagreements. And I was like, I think he was under contract for a few more seasons, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. So my final, my final thing here, I just, uh, for all the Eagles are headed down to Atlanta. Um, Jackson state is a great team. Um, and I don't know what the distractions are going to do to them or not. All I know is um, what I've seen Jackson state's greatness is that, I think they get in people's head before the game and that results in a first quarter turnover that makes no sense, but ends up giving JSU the full, the field, short field running downhill seven. And then you think, Oh, I got to put the ball in there. And then your Jackson state is off to the races. I don't think NCCU has to have an explosive start. What they have to do is not beat themselves in the first quarter. They cannot beat themselves in the first quarter. No turnovers. No turnovers. Play a disciplined game in the first quarter. And if you can get that game to the fourth quarter, you tell me, Blue, if I'm wrong. But all season, have they been, has a team been within one score of them in the, going into the fourth quarter? The closest uh, thing I can remember was Alabama I, State. I think Alcorn was – too, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was Alcorn and Alabama State and, and Tennessee State. Don't forget them. They were... That's right. Okay. Yeah, so there, there's been three games this year where a, a team's been within one score, but you know, they were able to pull it out. But you know, with Alabama State, you know, I feel like that was probably the closest game out of all of them. Because, I mean, yeah. I know the Tennessee State defense was making plays, but I don't think anyone had faith that Tennessee State's offense was going to make a play down the stretch to win that game. I think Alabama State and Alcorn were the only two games where it was really in question. Well, I just don't think they've seen this quarterback. 
um, and all season. I don't know. Bubba would be the closest thing that um, they got a dose of this type of quarterback. And that's what I'm saying. If they can get to the fourth quarter with a physical quarterback who can make some throws, um, <laughs> I like, I, I'm not going anywhere for that fourth quarter because it's going to be, that's going to be something new for them. Um, and so I'm excited about Saturday. Uh, once I recover and check in with my therapist over <laughs> today in Greensboro. <laughs> so, Hey, thanks blue. Hey, appreciate you calling in, man. All right. Bye-bye. All right, man. We're going to end it here. Closing down the call lines. Uh, if you just join, I'll go back through real quick before I hop out of here. Um, I got North Dakota State in a close one. Um, winning this weekend over Incarnate Word. I got Montana State pulling off the upset over South Dakota State on the road in Brookings. And I got Jackson State pulling out the four-point win over North Carolina Central this weekend in the Celebration Bowl, winning the first Celebration Bowl uh, for Jackson State, completing the first undefeated season for the Tigers, and sending Prime out with a win on his way to Colorado and officially starting the T.C. Taylor era of Jackson State football. But, guys, I'll be back tomorrow. I got a live stream with my guy Josh, former NCCU player, Ken Clark from uh, Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. And this weekend, Friday night, I won't have a live stream. I'll be at the North Dakota State Incarnate Word game. I am going to try to make a double header and make it to the South Dakota State-Montana State game if the weather permits. But if I'm not mistaken, the Dakotas are getting like 12 to 15 inches of snow. I'm from Alabama. That ain't that ain't cool with me. So we'll see if that happens. But I will be there Friday night in the Fargo Dome for the, the one semifinal matchup. Live stream on Sunday night to recap the semifinals and the celebration bowl. And then next week I will be doing a, a full a full day live stream of early signing day for the FCS. So if you're looking for FCS recruiting content, this is your place to get it. There'll be all conference release more on the website. If you're looking for our current all conference teams that have been released, thebluebloodspod.com and stay tuned. All the American, uh, all the American team dropping next week. I'll have a live stream for that of a big reveal and I'll get all y'all's opinions. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of them, but guys until next time, y'all all have a safe weekend. If you're traveling to Atlanta, Fargo, or Brookings, but until next time, guys, the Blue Bloods are out. Oh,